Hello and welcome to Expert Insights with RAND Europe, a brief conversation between our analysts who will be discussing our latest research and looking more in-depth at some of the pressing policy issues of the day. In this session, we will be discussing research that explores how the UK public thinks funding for the NHS and social care should be raised. With us today to discuss the report is co-author and chief economist of RAND Europe, John Sussex, and fellow author Hui Lu, a senior analyst. RAND Europe is a non-profit, non-partisan research organization that helps to improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. John, could you start by telling us why this study was commissioned in the first place? Yes, certainly. Uh, even before the COVID pandemic struck, the demand for health care and adult social care in the UK as elsewhere was growing steadily uh, because we all live longer, because actually what care can be provided is increasing with technical progress. And that trend of increasing demand for health and social care will continue uh, even when COVID is brought under control. So the need for large amounts of additional funding in future to pay for that care is an inescapable fact. So the question arises, what's the best way of raising that extra money every year? And uh, we set out uh, with, some, with a study funded by the Health Foundation to try and find out. So do people prefer more taxation? Uh, would they like some kind of insurance arrangement, whether a compulsory insurance or, or voluntary? Or would they simply prefer to buy the care when they need it, pay out of their own pockets? So um, the way of trying to get at the question of how best to pay for healthcare and social care can be tackled many ways. There are surveys that simply ask people, would you like to have a higher income tax in order to have more spending on the NHS or more spending on social care? Uh, but we wanted to try and get behind uh, that sort of superficial level and understand in a bit more depth why one way of paying for care might be preferred to another. So we conducted several focus groups across the UK with several members of the public in each of them. And we carried out what is known as a discrete choice experiment. And that's something that my colleague Huey can tell you about. That's right, John. Discrete choice experiment is a quantitative research method for eliciting population's preference. This research method enables valuing the different characteristics of the NHS and social care funding options. So the basic premise is that it is possible to describe a good or service by its characteristics, which we call them attributes in a choice experiment. Um, for example, a chocolate bar could be described by, say, the proportion of cocoa solids, the presence of uh, nuts or raisins, and its price. And that when people make choices to purchase a good or service, they consider all those attributes and choose the option that could maximize their satisfaction. So from their choice information, researchers are able to estimate the relative importance of each characteristic that could possibly influence their choice making. In our choice experiment, hypothetical funding options are presented to individuals, and each choice scenario is described by a combination of the key attributes and levels. And individuals are asked to choose between those options in service. And these hypothetical scenarios were obtained through a carefully experimental design process. We have done similar experiments on topics such as Brexit, like what sorts of Brexit do British people want, and the improvement in transport infrastructure. And they are a very good way to get a real understanding of what people think is more important and the potential trade-offs that people would be willing to make in their choice-making. And this research method has very thorough economic theory underpinning. In 2000, 
Professor Dan McFadden won the Nobel Prize because of his contribution in the research method development. So basically, a discrete choice experiment is a very good way to get an honest answer by forcing people to make these trade-offs. So in this case, it's about, would I rather pay for the NHS this way or that way? I'm always being asked to make a choice between two alternatives, A or B, and I get to make several of those choices. And then with some clever statistics, we can work out if we ask enough people what the population thinks overall, on average, is the better way to pay for care. And also, how much better one way of paying for care is than another? How strong are people's preferences for one way of doing things rather than another? Yes. So, for example, the survey asked respondents to make a series of diverse choice between alternative ways of funding NHS and social care. And the funding options were defined in terms of its main characteristics, such as whether the payment is related to a person's income or not, whether it is related to a person's age or not, or whether the funds are collected by national government or some other type of organizations. From the earlier background review and the expert reference group, those characteristics are identified that could differentiate the various funding options. In addition, our survey also collected information on respondents' demographic characteristics, such as their age, gender, income, education, employment status, and household structures, their current health state, and their experience of health and social care. For our study, we interviewed a nationally representative sample of 2,756 people from across the four countries of the UK. This formed a sufficient sample size for a robust analysis of the choice of divisions, and also to explore the differences in their preferences across countries and the population cohorts. And the results were perhaps not as obvious as what we might have thought. No, indeed.、Um, yeah, we were surprised by some of the things we found. For example, at the start of the choice experiment, we asked people a little bit about. What they knew about how the NHS and about how social care are paid for currently, and we found that there's very poor understanding、uh, about how social care is paid. In fact, private individuals already spend quite a lot out of their own pockets to buy social care, being whether being looked after in their own home or whether they want to move into a care home and, and pay to be looked after there. But that private money, though large, is not quite as high as the public spending. And then again, on top of all of that, there's an awful lot of care that's provided unpaid. In the social care sector, unpaid care that is provided by family,、uh, friends, but particularly family—that spouses, daughters, and sons of the person who's receiving the care.、And、very few people seem to realise、um, that it's not already a largely public service. That actually, most social care is provided either by、um, families, unpaid, or is paid provided by people buying it out of their own pocket. So that was a bit of a surprise.、Uh, perhaps less surprising, but but quite comforting. In a way, was、uh, because it was、uh, human nature exerting itself. So we were convinced that we weren't just being told what、uh, people thought we wanted to hear. When we were in the focus group discussions, some people initially resisted the idea that any more money was needed at all. So surely, was it went the argument? Surely, if we just increased efficiency in the healthcare, there's a lot of waste in the healthcare. If we got rid of healthcare sector, if we got rid of that, similarly with social care, surely we didn't need any more money. But when we were able to show that even if there were some reasonable increases in efficiency, that would be nothing like enough extra money to deal with the extra demand for healthcare and social care that's coming along, people did get stuck into seriously thinking about the best way of raising that extra money. So keeping in mind that, that many people were pretty hazy about how the NHS and particularly about how social care are currently funded. We found first big finding that on average across the population, people wanted social care. 
to be paid for in the same way that the NHS is paid for, um, which is largely by taxation at present. We asked a lot more questions about how the NHS, as well as social care, should be paid for. But anyway, first finding, people wanted both to be paid for in the same way. In terms of preferences for the way of funding, Quay's going to say a bit more about that in a moment, but um, the first and probably strongest finding was that people want what we would call a universalist solution. That is, they want everyone to contribute to the cost of the health service and of social care, and they want everyone to have the opportunity to benefit from those care services once they're funded. And that's because that's distinct from an approach where you just pay for yourself or you buy your own insurance. So there's a strong preference for being everyone all in this together, if you like, rather than leaving people to look after themselves. Currently, NHS, the NHS is funded in this universalist way. But as I've already explained, uh, social care is, is a much more mixed picture, with quite a lot of it being bought by people out of their own pockets for themselves. Anyway, there are quite a lot of other interesting and very clear-cut findings too. Our study also showed that uh, public prefers a percentage of amount paid to be higher for people on higher incomes. That is for a progressive system in economic terms. But interestingly, those in higher income groups supported this too, although not as quite as strongly as people on lower incomes. Also, all age groups prefer the contribution should not differ by age. Older age groups had a stronger preference for this non-discrimination. But even the 18 to 24 age group did not, on average, want over 40s to pay more. Our study also finds that the public have a strong preference that raising additional funds for both NHS care and social care to be undertaken by a public body rather than a private company or a charity. And this is in line with the current arrangements for the NHS and also for publicly funded social care. However, we find that public prefers additional funding risk to be spent only on health care or social care respectively. This indicates some support of ring-fenced taxes for NHS and the social care additional funding. So all of this information, this information about what's preferred uh, and the fact that these preferences are the same across all the groups in the population that we were able to study, this is, should be important information for policymakers. Policymakers can know on the basis of this robust and thorough study what the public will accept as the best way to raise extra money that's needed for the NHS and for adult social care. In essence, progressive income tax, ring fence so that it's spent only on the NHS or social care, would be a good way to raise the extra money acceptable to the general public. We conducted this experiment in 2018, and now that the COVID pandemic has heightened yet further how important funding the NHS and funding social care are seen, we'd love to be able to repeat the experiment and see whether the answers have changed. Thank you, Huey, and thank you, John, and thank you for listening to Expert Insights with RAND Europe. The study discussed today was public acceptability of health and social care funding options, funding options for the NHS and social care in the UK. The study was commissioned by the Health Foundation. For a full list of authors and more information about this research, please visit our website at www.randeurope.org.